Section 5 of Sherman's March to the Sea and the Burning of Columbia, South Carolina, from his memoirs by William Tecumseh Sherman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 5, Chapter 21, Part 4. Having concluded all needful preparations, I rode from my headquarters on the Plank Road over to General Slocum's headquarters on the Macon Road, and thence dispatched by flag of truce into Savannah by the hands of Colonel Ewing, Inspector General, a demand for the surrender of the place. The following letters give the result. General Hardy refused to surrender, and I then resolved to make the attempt to break his line of defense at several places, trusting that someone would succeed. Headquarters, Military Division of the Mississippi, in the field, near Savannah, December 17, 1864. General William J. Hardy, commanding Confederate forces in Savannah. General you have doubtless observed from your station at rosedew that sea-going vessels now come through osabo sound and up the ogeechee to the rear of my army giving me abundant supplies of all kinds and more especially heavy ordnance necessary for the reduction of savannah i have already received guns that can cast heavy and destructive shot as far as the heart of your city also i have for some days held and controlled every avenue by which the people and garrison of savannah can be supplied and i am therefore justified in demanding the surrender of the city of savannah and its dependent forts and shall wait a reasonable time for your answer before opening with heavy ordnance should you entertain the proposition i am prepared to grant liberal terms to the inhabitants and garrison but should i be forced to resort to assault or the slower and sure process of starvation i shall then feel justified in resorting to the harshest measures and shall make little effort to restrain my army burning to avenge the national wrong which they attach to savannah and other large cities which have been so prominent in dragging our country into civil war I enclose you a copy of General Hood's demand for the surrender of the town of Rizoa to be used by you for what it is worth. I have the honor to be your obedient servant. W. T. Sherman, Major General. Headquarters, Department, South Carolina, Georgia and Florida, Savannah, Georgia, December 17, 1864. Major General W. T. Sherman, commanding Federal Forces near Savannah, Georgia. General. I have to acknowledge the receipt of a communication from you of this date, in which you demand the surrender of Savannah and its dependent forts, on the ground that you have received guns that can cast heavy and destructive shot into the heart of the city, and for the further reason that you have, for some days, held and controlled every avenue by which the people and garrison can be supplied you add that should you be forced to resort to assault or to the slower and surer process of starvation you will then feel justified in resorting to the harshest measures and will make little effort to restrain your army etc etc the position of your forces a half mile beyond the outer line for the land defence of savannah is at the nearest point at least four miles from the heart of the city that and the interior line are both intact your statement that you have for some days held and controlled every avenue by which the people and garrison can be supplied is incorrect i am in free and constant communication with my department 
your demand for the surrender of savannah and its dependent forts is refused with respect to the threats conveyed in the closing paragraphs of your letter of what may be expected in case your demand is not complied with i have to say that i have hitherto conducted the military operations entrusted to my direction in strict accordance with the rules of civilized warfare and i should deeply regret the adoption of any course by you that may force me to deviate from them in future i have the honor to be very respectfully your obedient servant w j hardy lieutenant-general headquarters military division of the mississippi in the field near savannah december eighteenth eighteen sixty four eight p m lieutenant-general u s grant city point virginia general i wrote you at length by colonel babcock on the sixteenth instant as i therein explained my purpose yesterday i made a demand on general hardy for the surrender of the city of savannah and to-day received his answer refusing copies of both letters are herewith enclosed you will notice that i claim that my lines are within easy cannon range of the heart of savannah but general hardy asserts that we are four and a half miles distant but i myself have been to the intersection of the charleston and georgia central railroads and the three-mile post is but a few yards beyond within the line of our pickets the enemy has no pickets outside of his fortified line which is a full quarter of a mile within the three-mile post and i have the evidence of mr r r cuyler president of the georgia central railroad who was a prisoner in our hands that the mile posts are measured from the exchange which is but two squares back from the river by to-morrow morning i will have six thirty-pound parrots in position and general hardy will learn whether i am right or wrong from the left of our line which is in the savannah river the spires can be plainly seen but the country is so densely wooded with pine and live oak and lies so flat that we can see nothing from any other portion of our lines general slocum feels confident that he can make a successful assault at one or two points in front of general davis's fourteenth corps all of general howard's troops the right wing lie behind the little ogeechee and i doubt if it can be passed by troops in the face of an enemy still we can make strong feints and if i can get a sufficient number of boats i shall make a cooperative demonstration up vernon river or warsaw sound i should like very much indeed to take savannah before coming to you but as i wrote to you before i will do nothing rash or hasty and will embark for the james river as soon as general easton who is gone to port royal for that purpose reports to me that he has an approximate number of vessels for the transportation of the contemplated force i fear even this will cost more delay than you anticipate for already the movement of our transports and the gunboats has required more time than i had expected we have had dense fogs there are more mud-banks on the ogeechee than were reported and there are no pilots whatever admiral dahlgren promised to have the channel buoyed and staked but it is not done yet we find only six feet of water up to kingsbridge at low tide about ten feet up to the rice mill and sixteen to fort mcallister all these points may be used by us and we have a good strong bridge across ogeechee at king's by which our wagons can go to fort mcallister to which point i am sending all wagons not absolutely necessary for daily use the negroes prisoners of war sick etc 
en route for port royal in relation to savannah you will remark that general hardy refers to his still being in communication with his department this language he thought would deceive me but i am confirmed in the belief that the route to which he refers the union plank road on the south carolina shore is inadequate to feed his army and the people of savannah and general foster assures me that he has his force on that very road near the head of broad river so that cars no longer run between charleston and savannah we hold this end of the charleston railroad and have destroyed it from the three-mile post back to the bridge about twelve miles in anticipation of leaving this country i am continuing the destruction of their railroads and at this moment have two divisions and the cavalry at work breaking up the gulf railroad from the ogeechee to the altamaha so that even if i do not take savannah i will leave it in a bad way but i still hope that events may give me time to take savannah even if i have to assault with some loss i am satisfied that unless we take it the gunboats never will for they can make no impression upon the batteries which guard every approach from the sea i have a faint belief that when colonel babcock reaches you you will delay operations long enough to enable me to succeed here with savannah in our possession at some future time if not now we can punish south carolina as she deserves and as thousands of the people in georgia hoped we would do i do sincerely believe that the whole united states north and south would rejoice to have this army turned loose on south carolina to devastate that state in the manner we have done in georgia and it would have a direst and immediate bearing on your campaign in virginia i have the honor to be your obedient servant w t sherman major-general united states army as soon as the army had reached savannah and had opened communication with the fleet i endeavored to ascertain what had transpired in tennessee since our departure we received our letters and files of newspapers which contained full accounts of all the events there up to about the first of december as before described general hood had three full corps of infantry s d lee's a p stewart's and chetham's at florence alabama with forrest's corps of cavalry numbering in the aggregate about forty five thousand men general thomas was in nashville tennessee quietly engaged in reorganizing his army out of the somewhat broken forces at his disposal he had posted his only two regular corps the fourth and twenty-third under the general command of major-general j m schofield at pulaski directly in front of florence with the three brigades of cavalry hatch croxton and capron commanded by major-general wilson watching closely for hood's initiative this force aggregated about thirty thousand men and was therefore inferior to the enemy and general schofield was instructed in case the enemy made a general advance to fall back slowly toward nashville fighting till he should be reinforced by general thomas in person hood's movement was probably hurried by reason of my advance into georgia for on the seventeenth his infantry columns marched from florence in the direction of waynesboro turning schofield's position at pulaski the latter at once sent his trains to the rear and on the twenty-first fell back to columbia tennessee 
general hood followed up this movement skirmished lightly with schofield at columbia began the passage of duck river below the town and chetham's corps reached the vicinity of spring hill whither general schofield had sent general stanley with two of his divisions to cover the movements of his trains during the night of november twenty ninth general schofield passed spring hill with his trains and army and took post at franklin on the south side of harbeth river general hood now attaches serious blame to general chetham for not attacking general schofield in flank while in motion at spring hill for he was bivouacked within eight hundred yards of the road at the time of the passage of our army general schofield reached franklin on the morning of november thirtieth and posted his army in front of the town where some rifle entrenchments had been constructed in advance he had the two corps of stanley and cox fourth and twenty-third with wilson's cavalry on his flanks and sent his trains behind the harpeth general hood closed upon him the same day and assaulted his position with vehemence at one time breaking the line and wounding general stanley seriously but our men were veterans cool and determined and fought magnificently the rebel officers led their men in person to the several persistent assaults continuing the battle far into the night when they drew off beaten and discomfited their loss was very severe especially in general officers among them generals claiborne and adams division commanders hood's loss on that day was afterward ascertained to be thomas's report buried on the field seventeen hundred and fifty left in hospital at franklin thirty eight hundred and seven hundred and two prisoners captured and held aggregate six thousand two hundred and fifty two general schofield's loss reported officially was one hundred and eighty nine killed one thousand and thirty three wounded and eleven hundred and four prisoners or missing aggregate twenty three hundred and twenty six the next day general schofield crossed the harbeth without trouble and fell back to the defences of nashville meanwhile general thomas had organized the employees of the quartermaster's department into a corps commanded by the chief quartermaster general j z donelson and placed them in the fortifications of nashville under the general direction of major-general z b tower now of the united states engineers he had also received the two veteran divisions of the sixteenth corps under general a j smith long absent and long expected and he had drawn from chattanooga and decatur alabama the divisions of steedman and r s granger these with general schofield's army and about ten thousand good cavalry under general j h wilson constituted a strong army capable not only of defending nashville but of beating hood in the open field yet thomas remained inside of nashville seemingly passive until general hood had closed upon him and had entrenched his position general thomas had furthermore held fast to the railroad leading from nashville to chattanooga leaving strong guards at its principal points as at murfreesboro deckard stevenson bridgeport whiteside and chattanooga at murfreesboro the division of rousseau was reinforced and strengthened up to about eight thousand men at that time the weather was cold and sleety the ground was covered with ice and snow and both parties for a time rested on the defensive 
those matters stood at nashville while we were closing down on savannah in the early part of december eighteen sixty four and the country as well as general grant was alarmed at the seeming passive conduct of general thomas and general grant at one time considered the situation so dangerous that he thought of going to nashville in person but general john a logan happening to be at city point was sent out to supersede general thomas luckily for the latter he acted in time gained a magnificent victory and thus escaped so terrible a fate on the eighteenth of december at my camp by the side of the plank road eight miles back of savannah i received general hardee's letter declining to surrender when nothing remained but to assault the ground was difficult and as all former assaults had proved so bloody i concluded to make one more effort to completely surround savannah on all sides so as further to excite hardee's fears and in case of success to capture the whole of his army we had already completely invested the place on the north west and south but there remained to the enemy on the east the use of the old dyke or plank road leading into south carolina and i knew that hardy would have a pontoon bridge across the river on examining my maps i thought that the division of john p hatch belonging to general foster's command might be moved from its then position at broad river by water down to bluffton from which it could reach this plank road fortify it and hold it at some risk of course because hardy could avail himself of his central position to fall on this detachment with his whole army i did not want to make a mistake like ball's bluff at that period of the war so taking one or two of my personal staff i rode back to grog's bridge leaving with generals howard and slocum orders to make all possible preparation but not to attack during my two or three days absence and there i took a boat for wassaw sound whence admiral dahlgren conveyed me in his own boat the harvest moon to hilton head where i represented the matter to general foster and he promptly agreed to give his personal attention to it during the night of the twentieth we started back the wind blowing strong admiral dahlgren ordered the pilot of the harvest moon to run into tibby and to work his way through wassaw sound and the ogeechee river by the romney marshes we were caught by a low tide and stuck in the mud after laboring some time the admiral ordered out his barge in it we pulled through this intricate and shallow channel and toward evening of december twenty first we discovered coming toward us a tug called the red legs belonging to the quartermaster's department with a staff officer on board bearing letters from colonel dayton to myself and the admiral reporting that the city of savannah had been found evacuated on the morning of december twenty first and was then in our possession general hardy had crossed the savannah river by a pontoon bridge carrying off his men and light artillery blowing up his ironclads and navy yard but leaving for us all the heavy guns stores cotton railway cars steamboats and an immense amount of public and private property admiral dahlgren concluded to go toward a vessel the sonoma of his blockading fleet which lay at anchor near boileau and i transferred to the red legs and hastened up the ogeechee river to grog's bridge whence i rode to my camp that same night 
i there learned that early on the morning of december twenty first the skirmishers had detected the absence of the enemy and had occupied his lines simultaneously along their whole extent but the left flank slocum especially gary's division of the twentieth corps claimed to have been the first to reach the heart of the city generals slocum and howard moved their headquarters at once into the city leaving the bulk of their troops in camps outside on the morning of december twenty second i followed with my own headquarters and rode down bull street to the custom house from the roof of which we had an extensive view over the city the river and the vast extent of marsh and rice fields on the south carolina side the navy yard and the wreck of the ironclad ram savannah were still smouldering but all else looked quiet enough turning back we rode to the pulaski hotel which i had known in years long gone and found it kept by a vermont man with a lame leg who used to be a clerk in the st louis hotel new orleans and i inquired about the capacity of his hotel for headquarters he was very anxious to have us for boarders but i soon explained to him that we had a full mess equipment along and that we were not in the habit of paying board that one wing of the building would suffice for our use while i would allow him to keep an hotel for the accommodation of officers and gentlemen in the remainder i then dispatched an officer to look round for a livery stable that could accommodate our horses and while waiting there an english gentleman mr charles green came and said that he had a fine house completely furnished for which he had no use and offered it as headquarters he explained moreover that general howard had informed him the day before that i would want his house for headquarters at first i felt strongly disinclined to make use of any private dwelling lest complaints should arise of damage and loss of furniture and so expressed myself to mr green but after riding about the city and finding his house so spacious so convenient with large yard and stabling i accepted his offer and occupied that house during our stay in savannah he only reserved for himself the use of a couple of rooms above the dining-room and we had all else and a most excellent house it was in all respects i was disappointed that hardy had escaped with his army but on the whole we had reason to be content with the substantial fruits of victory the savannah river was found to be badly obstructed by torpedoes and by log piers stretched across the channel below the city which piers were filled with the cobblestones that formerly paved the streets admiral dahlgren was extremely active and visited me repeatedly in the city while his fleet still watched charleston and all the avenues for the blockade runners had infested the coast which were notoriously owned and managed by englishmen who used the island of new providence nassau as a sort of entrepot one of these small blockade runners came into savannah after we were in full possession and the master did not discover his mistake till he came ashore to visit the custom-house of course his vessel fell a prize to the navy a heavy force was at once set to work to remove the torpedoes and obstructions in the main channel of the river and from that time forth savannah became the great depot of supply for the troops operating in that quarter meantime on the fifteenth and sixteenth of december were fought in front of nashville the great battles in which general thomas so nobly fulfilled his promise to ruin hood the details of which are fully given in his own official reports long since published 
rumors of these great victories reached us at savannah by piecemeal but his official report came on the twenty fourth of december with a letter from general grant giving in general terms the events up to the eighteenth and i wrote at once through my chief of staff general webster to general thomas complimenting him in the highest terms his brilliant victory at nashville was necessary to mine at savannah to make a complete whole and this fact was perfectly comprehended by mr lincoln who recognized it fully in his personal letter of december twenty sixth herein before quoted at length and which is also claimed at the time in my special field order number six of january eighth eighteen sixty five here given special field order number six headquarters military division of the mississippi in the field near savannah georgia january eighth eighteen sixty four the general commanding announces to the troops composing the military division of the mississippi that he has received from the president of the united states and from lieutenant-general grant letters conveying their high sense and appreciation of the campaign just closed resulting in the capture of savannah and the defeat of hood's army in tennessee in order that all may understand the importance of events it is proper to revert to the situation of affairs in september last we held atlanta a city of little value to us but so important to the enemy that mr davis the head of the rebellious faction in the south visited his army near palmetto and commanded it to regain the place and also to ruin and destroy us by a series of measures which he thought would be effectual that army by a rapid march gained our railroad near big shanty and afterward about dalton we pursued it but it moved so rapidly that we could not overtake it and general hood led his army successfully far over toward mississippi in hope to decoy us out of georgia but we were not thus to be led away by him and preferred to lead and control events ourselves generals thomas and schofield commanding the departments to our rear returned to their posts and prepared to decoy general hood into their meshes while we came on to complete the original journey we quietly and deliberately destroyed atlanta and all the railroads which the enemy had used to carry on war against us occupied his state capital and then captured his commercial capital which had been so strongly fortified from the sea as to defy approach from that quarter almost at the moment of our victorious entry into savannah came the welcome and expected news that our comrades in tennessee had also fulfilled nobly and well their part had decoyed general hood to nashville and then turned on him defeating his army thoroughly capturing all his artillery great numbers of prisoners and were still pursuing the fragments down in alabama so complete success in military operations extending over half a continent is an achievement that entitles it to a place in the military history of the world the armies serving in georgia and tennessee as well as the local garrisons of decatur bridgeport chattanooga and murfreesboro are alike entitled to the common honors and each regiment may inscribe in its colors at pleasure the word savannah or nashville the general commanding embraces in the same general success the operations of the cavalry under general stoneman burbage and gillam that penetrated into southwest virginia and paralyzed the efforts of the enemy to disturb the peace and safety of east tennessee 
instead of being put on the defensive we have at all points assumed the bold offensive and have completely thwarted the designs of the enemies of our country by order of major-general w t sherman l m dayton aide-de-camp end of section five